Well, if you would, please turn in your copies of God's Word to the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and you can find that on page 1213 of your chair Bible. And this morning we will be concluding our series walking through the book of 1 John. And today we're going to see the final exhortation that is given to those who would read this letter. This is John's final instruction in regard to how we are to live in fellowship with one another and with God. So hear now the word of the Lord from 1 John chapter 5. And I will be reading the entirety of the chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe God has made Him a liar because He has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And this is the testimony that God God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 
And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let us ask His blessing on it. Holy Father, we do thank You and praise You that You have given us Your Holy Word. And Lord, as Your Word has been read, as it has gone forth, we rest in the promise that it will never return void. We trust that it is effectual to change the hearts of man. And so Lord, we ask that You would add a blessing to the reading of this Most Holy Word. And Lord, as we have now sat under the reading of this word, we ask that you would add a blessing to the reading or to the hearing of it as well. That we may hear it rightly with the conscience, our hearts open and ready to receive it. And Lord, now as we approach the preaching of this word, we ask that your blessing would be poured out upon that as well. That the Words of the preacher would be those that are in accordance to the Word of God. That the preacher would diminish so that Christ would increase. Lord, we ask that You would hide the sinfulness of the man proclaiming this Word so that the glories of the cross of Christ may be magnified. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, my Rock and my Redeemer. We lift these things up through the blood of Jesus Christ. In His name, Amen. Well, this is somewhat of a bittersweet moment for me. Not only are we coming to the end of this book, but we are also coming to the end of mine and my family's time with you all here at Grace. My internship is coming to an end. My seminary experience is coming to an end. And so, it's somewhat of a bittersweet moment. And so looking back on all that we've looked at in this book so far, I've really come to appreciate the language that the Apostle John uses in this letter of his hearers. The terms of endearment that he uses have become even more real to me throughout my time here. Because the very same love that John expresses throughout this letter is the love that I have grown for all of you here in this place. And so here we come to the end of this book and it is bittersweet because you all have become the beloved. That term has become very real to me as I see you all in such a sweet and genuine light. And so now we must move to the close of this book. And here we see something that John has done time and again. This letter is something of a kaleidoscope, if you will. John is expressing 
what it means to be in fellowship with one another and with God. And he's expressing what it means to love God and to love the brothers. He's expressing what it means to have assurance of faith. And he does all of this time and again throughout this book. And then here in this chapter, it's as if he's looking through that kaleidoscope and now he turns to chapter 5 and we see this all once again from a new perspective. Now I know you may be thinking that there's so many of these sermons in this series that have been so similar and that's because John has been making these circles coming back to a teaching that he began earlier and then expounding further. Well, today is no different. Today we take this turn and we look at these doctrines from a different perspective. And the final exhortation to you, brothers and sisters, to you, beloved, is to exhibit faithful obedience. You are to exhibit faithful obedience and in exhibiting faithful obedience, you show your love for God and one another. You display your overcoming the world. You rest in the testimony of Christ and you are assured of your salvation. So let us first consider how our faithful obedience shows our love for God and one another. And we see this in the first three verses of our passage. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Brothers and sisters, your faithful obedience shows your love for God and for one another. Everyone who believes, that, who believes in Jesus has been born of God. And if you've been born of God, then you must love Him. Far too often we divorce the idea of love and obedience, but here John is once again explicitly marrying the two concepts. John says that love and law belong together. You cannot say that you love other believers if you do not keep His commandments. You, know, you cannot say that you love God if you do not keep His commandments. We, we saw this previously in this letter that the command of God is that you love Him and that you love one another. You cannot love one another if you do not keep His commandments because loving one another is His commandment. Far too often I hear people say that we should just worry, we shouldn't just worry about all the do's and the don'ts. We shouldn't worry so much about uh, what we should do or what we should believe or what we should know. We shouldn't worry about all of this doctrine stuff. 
We should just worry about loving. We should worry about loving Christ and loving other people. Friends, that is hogwash. You cannot love Christ if you do not love God and love the things of God. You cannot love one another if you, do not, if you are not seeking to obey His commandments. We love and serve one another best by first loving and serving God. Friends, we have to be careful not to get so wrapped up into this notion of love that we fail to see our duty in following His commandments. You have been purchased by Christ's blood. You have been given the gift of the Spirit which dwells in you, who has taken your heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh. You've been united with Christ and been made heirs of the promise, being given all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. That is who you are. Now go and live like it. How can you sit there and say that you have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb and yet you will not obey His commands? And then you will turn around and say that you love Him? Friends, you have to obey Him. His commandments are given to you so that you may know how to rightly live in this world that is so full of temptation and sin and misery. His commandments are given to you as a blessing. His commandments are given to you as a rule for life. And if you love Him, And if you love those who are begotten of Him, if you love other Christians, if you love other people, you will keep His commandments. Friends, they are not burdensome. Christ says, Come unto Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. His commandments are not burdensome. They are part of that rest that we have in Him. So friends, rest in Him. You must exhibit a faithful obedience because your faithful obedience shows your love for God and for one another. But not only that, your faithful obedience displays your overcoming the world. And we see this in verses 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We've already seen that it is those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God who now go and obey His commandments. And it is that belief in Jesus as the Son of God which enables us to then overcome the world. It's through your faithful obedience that you can overcome the world 
In fact, you already have won the victory. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you have been bought by His blood, if you have been crucified with Him, if you've been buried with Him and raised again to newness of life, if you have been united with Christ, then you are already victorious. You have overcome the world. And your victory is that victory which is found in Christ. And you have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you. And you have overcome the world because greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. As I said in our last sermon, if that is true, then what do you have to fear? Why would you fear man? Why would you fear the world? Why would you fear death itself? You have overcome all of these things. There is nothing for you to fear. There is no fear to be found in you because you are in Christ and you have overcome the world. So if you have nothing to fear, go and live in that victory. If you have nothing to fear in this life, in this world, then go and obey His commandments because you have nothing to fear. Obey His commandments because you know that you have already won the victory. Friends, you're either going to obey His commandments or you're going to obey the world's commandments. And if you haven't called on already, the world is not victorious. The world is going to be overcome. So make your choice. What are you going to follow? The commandments of the world? Or are you going to follow the commandments of the Lord? The aim of the world's commandments is to gain wealth and fame and social standing and power and human pleasure. That's what the world wants you to pursue. But Jesus Christ aimed for none of that. He overcame the world by obeying God's commandments, by loving God above all, and by loving His neighbor as Himself. And that's the goal of us if we have been born of God. We must yearn to obey His commandments. Shun the things of this world and embrace the things of God. The commandments of this world will lead you down a path of destruction. The things of this world will pass away. The things of this world, the commandments that the world tells you to pursue are the things that moth and rust will destroy. But the things of God will last forever. If we keep His commandments, we will overcome the world Because you have already overcome the world. The victory is yours. Your faithful obedience displays your overcoming the world.
And moving on next, we see that in exhibiting faithful obedience, you rest in the testimony of Christ. Look with me in our passage beginning in verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Friends, you have to see this in the context uh, within the bigger passage. It is those who are faithfully obedient to the commandments of God that have the Son of God. That know Jesus is the Son of God. And so it is your exhibiting faithful obedience, it's in your exhibiting faithful obedience that you are resting in Christ's testimony. The testimony of Christ is that you may have eternal life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal eternal life. That is the testimony of Christ. That is what He proclaimed as He hung up there on the cross. That is what He proclaimed as He raised from up from the dead on the third day in victory over death, hell, and the grave. That is what He purchased for you by His own blood. Rest in the testimony of Christ. We live in a world that is constantly seeking to attack us, constantly seeking to destroy us, constantly seeking to take our eyes off of the Lord and put our eyes on the things of this world. Do not fall prey to the wickedness of this world. Do not fall prey to the wiles of the devil. You have the sure testimony of Christ Jesus before you. You have the complete testimony of our Lord and Savior in this very book which we have been examining today. Rest in that. So how do you rest in the testimony of Christ? By obeying His commandments. By exhibiting faithful obedience. If you truly believe that in Christ you are a new creation, that the old things have passed away and the new things have come, if you are truly resting in your identity in Christ, that it is that that is who you are, that you are no longer a slave to sin, that you are no longer dead in trespasses and sins, that you are no longer a son of disobedience, if you are resting in that you are now in the household of God and have been adopted into His family and you have been made heirs of the promise, if you are resting in that, 
in the testimony of Christ, which is eternal, then you must go and live it. If you have the Son, you have life. If you know the Son of God, then you are to to be obedient to His commandments. Friends, you don't obey God out of a scent out of a sense of meriting eternal life. No, it's it's a resting in the testimony of Christ, which is eternal life, that spurns you on to faithful obedience. And to get that confused is to run the risk of falling into the error of legalism. Your works merit you nothing. Your obedience to the commandments of God merit you nothing. Your obedience to the commandments of God flows forth from what you already have in Christ. It is the eternal life that you have in Christ Jesus that drives you to faithful obedience. And in exhibiting faithful obedience, you do rest in the testimony Christ. And now finally, dear brothers and sisters, in exhibiting faithful obedience, you may have assurance of salvation. Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. John is not writing this letter simply to instruct people in different matters. He's not writing this letter simply to teach or expound upon doctrines. No, he gives his explicit reason for writing these things. So that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life is the testimony of Christ that you are resting in. And so John is saying, I'm writing these things to you so that in your resting in the testimony of Christ, you may have confidence. You may be assured that you are in Him and that you have eternal life. And he told us back in chapter 2 that the means by which we can have Assurance of salvation is a threefold test. Do you love God? Do you love one another? And do you obey His commandments? And we see that again here in chapter 5. It's interesting that he's saying almost the exact same thing. It's like he's taking his previous writing that he went more in depth into and he's condensing it down here for us in these closing words. He says the same thing here that he said in chapter 2. If you want assurance of faith, then you must obey His commandments because you have to obey His commandments to love God. If you love God, keep His commandments. If you want to love His people, if you want to have love for one another, then you will obey His commandments. 
His commandment is that you love one another. Friends, your faithful obedience is wrapped up in this three-strand cord of assurance that John spoke of in chapter 2. If you are not faithfully obedient to the command of God, then you have no assurance. Because it is those who are in Christ who obey the commandments of the Lord. So let me ask you, friends, do you desire to obey faithfully the commandments of the Lord? Not out of a sense of obligation, not out of a sense of duty, but do you desire to obey the commandments of the Lord out of simply a sense of gratitude for what He has done for you? Because you love Him and because you love His people and you just want to live for Him? Is that the case? And if you can't answer yes to that simple question, then you must question whether you are in Christ. Yes, there are times of doubt. Yes, there are times where we fall into grievous sin or where we have withdrawn ourselves so far from the face of God that we lose a desire to obey Him. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a Christian, that you're not united to Christ, but it should give you pause. It should cause you to sit back and think, why am I not delighting in the law of the Lord? Why is His Word not a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? Friends, if you are confident in your salvation, then you will live it out. Your faithful obedience will be a means of assurance of salvation because only those who are sure of who they are in Christ are faithfully obedient. And I intentionally use that qualifier faithfully because it's not mere obedience. Mere obedience is nothing but slavery. Mere obedience is nothing but legalism. It is faithful obedience. Obedience that is rooted in faith that brings about assurance of salvation. So John ends this letter in much the same way that he began with the exhortation to pursue Christian fellowship. He begins this letter by saying that he proclaims these things so that you may have fellowship with Christ and with one another. And here we see that the fellowship has come full circle. We read, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the devil, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. He ends this letter talking about the fellowship that we have with one another and with Christ. That we are in 
Him. And He is with us. That He knows us. That He protects us from the power of the evil one. Friends, this is comfort to our weary souls. This is the culmination of everything that has been written thus far. All the circles of the same thing being spoken of in different ways. All of this culminates into this statement right here. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true. And in His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. Fellowship is what it's all about. Being in Christ. And in being united in Christ, being united with one another, having fellowship with one another, that is what it's all about. So friends, the call to you in pursuing Christian fellowship is to abstain from idols. To obey the Lord's commandments. It's interesting that he uses that phrase, keep yourselves from idols, here at the end. And it's because it's the summation of the exhortation to obey God's commandments. The idols which John warns his readers against to be on guard against are not simply material images. They are false conceptions of God. Any conception of Him that is at variance with His self-revelation in Christ is an idol. And so John is saying, you've received the truth. Have nothing to do with counterfeits. Beware of all imitations and substitutes. Those commandments of the world, keep yourself from them because they are idols. Friends, You keep yourself from the idols of the world and you obey the commandments of the Lord. This is the final exhortation to you, beloved. Love God. Love one another. And be faithfully obedient to His commandments. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You that You have united us together in Christ Jesus. That You have taken us out of the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. That You have adopted us into Your household and You have made us heirs of the promise and given us all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Lord, it is from that salvation. It is from redemption that obedience flows. Just as we see at Mount Sinai that it is the Lord our God who brought us out of the land of Egypt, it is the salvation that precedes the law, so too it is our salvation that precedes our obedience to the law in Christ. It is the Lord our God, Jesus Christ, who have brought us out of the land of sin and misery. And now we must obey His commandments. 
Lord, let us never forget that. Let us never fall into the trap of believing that we are earning something by our obedience. And let us never fall into the trap on the other side that says because we are in Christ, we do not have to obey. That our salvation is sure even if we have no fruit of it. Father, keep us. Keep us in Christ and keep us faithful to Your commandments. Protect us as the evil one seeks to destroy us. Seeks to destroy Your church. Let us be a beacon of light into this lost and dark and dying world. Protect us from the evil one. Father, Use Your Spirit to keep us from idols. Let us look to Jesus Christ as He is revealed in the Word. Let us not be deceived by those of Antichrist. But let us hold fast to this truth that we know is sure. We thank You and we praise You. In Christ's name, Amen.